This is M.I.P. With Masamela Mafuma. Mark Thompson. Get woke. It's that time of week once again, folks. It's Thursday. Welcome to another edition of Thursday Coast with the founder of the online progressive community, DailyCoast.com, the host of the ever-popular podcast, The Brief, and the founder of Civics with a Q, our great polling firm that's doing a lot of great work for all of us and has a uh, really good sample size. Ongoing polling as well. We'll get into some of that. The big news this week, of course, is that Joe Biden. Well, I don't know. What's bigger news? Oh, the whole week was full of big news. I know. I On Tuesday, we had a whole week's worth of big news. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. <laughs> so, so were you surprised about Tucker? Tuckums? I mean, who wasn't surprised about Tucker Carlson? You know, you always wonder at what point, um, uh, at what point Fox News would be tired of, of having to do these big payouts. Yeah. Uh, over Tucker Carlson's, um, you know, just just uh, conspiracy theory mongering. And, and I have to say, um, Mark, that obviously Fox News is Fox News and they're they're partisan and they're horrible and they're they're a they're a tumor on our political discourse. But there's degrees of vileness and evil in their in their um, announcers. And so you can look at somebody like Sean Hannity. And yeah, the guy's an a-hole. He's wrong. He's you know he's a lot of things, but there there is some sort of connection to reality, mm. and he he looks at it from a different lens. And I will argue, and I'm sure you will argue, that it's wrong. But at least we're arguing the same facts. You have somebody like Tucker Carlson, who literally just last week took a doctored in one of those intelligence leak reports that that you know the National Guardsmen that you know, stole those secrets and leaked them. One of the documents on on the losses of uh, Ukrainian and Russian soldiers was doctored. And it was immediately debunked, not just by the Ukrainian side, but by pro-Russian side. They're saying like, guys, you know, there's no need that like everybody saw this thing within. I'm not kidding, Mark. Within 10 minutes, everybody had like torn it apart. A week later, Tucker Carlson is on with Robert Kennedy Jr., using the doctor version and there's no way in hell that he did not know he was playing with a doctor document. There's just no way it's impossible because you would have to willingly ignore every commentary on that document, which from all sides that said it was, it was wrong, not to mention basic fact checking. You'd, you'd make sure you had the right version of the document. Right. So he, he did this on purpose. Like he, you know, white replacement theory, this guy's a white nationalist. He's a Nazi. He, he is a conspiracy theorist, and he was, for that reason, he was one of the, you know, fun fact, he wasn't the most popular Fox News show anymore towards the end. It was actually the five, but he was just, be, you know, just below that. And I think he had the best numbers in the demo, which is, I guess, what everybody cares about in, in television broadcasting, uh, 18 to 49. And... um he was expensive, but he cost the network so much in reputational harm. But we also saw in the documentation from the Dominion case, the leaked emails, that Fox News knew darn well that the big that the big lie was a lie. And they didn't care because they were worried about losing audience. So I think Tucker Carlson was never about the truth or about journalism or about anything other than if we lose Tucker Carlson, what happened, you know, we're going to lose our audience to OAN or Newsmax. I think that's always been their their fear. And uh, 
so I actually didn't think they were ever gonna they were ever gonna fire him for that reason. I mean, we know he's costing the network money, but I think the the fact that he kept a lot of that audience at home at Fox News was enough for them to keep him around. And there's a lot of theories about why they booted him, but um, it is a surprise that they finally did. Well, there the, the charges. There was a producer that was charged that had charged bullying and anti-Semitism. There are also rumors that I mean, you know, uh, there's no honor amongst thieves, as we know. There are also rumors yeah. that Tucker had made some disparaging comments about Rupert, mm-hmm. um, and it has not been disputed anywhere though that this was Rupert's decision, that yeah. that he ultimately made the decision. Um, and I guess you are, you know, you end up paying almost a billion dollars out to Dominion. And there are other suits that are out there. Yeah. Um, yep. You know, you, I guess you just, you, you, you cut your losses. Um, Mark, imagine working at Fox News and being surprised that there's anti-Semitism or <laughs> any kind of bigotry. <laughs> what? Right, right, right. <laughs> I work in a zoo and there's wild animals here. Like, who knew? I, I mean... I, I don't understand some of these people, but uh, there's also another rumor floating around that uh, Rupert Murdoch's ex-fiance um, was a big fan and he was creeped out by her dominionist Christian, you know, weirdness. And so I mean, there's all sorts of rumors. I don't know if we know for two. It seems to me that the the um, this lawsuit from the producers probably probably makes the most sense because it, it does provide some some legal cover to Fox News if it goes to trial to say, like, we handled the problem. We fired our most popular um, uh, host. Not only that, but they did so when they're trying to get car- uh, cable companies to raise carriage fees, which is how Fox News right. makes their, right. their money. It's people who have cable TV are paying for Fox News. That includes all of you listening. You may not be watching Fox News. If you have cable, you're paying, you paying for, for, uh, for Fox News. They wanted to raise the carriage fees, and it's going to be pretty hard for them to make that argument once they just fired their, you know, their second highest rated show uh, on the network. So hopefully it kind of screws them on that front, too. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's a perfect storm. There's a movement against the carriage fees. There's a lot going on. And I mean, if, if you're if, if, if Rupert has any type of business savvy or intelligence, he's got to do something to make a move because it's not like they have advertisers. It's, mm-hmm. it's not like you, they have it's a popular show. But you don't have advertisers, and you're right. He keeps pushing and peddling these these stories that are incredible. Now, I'm, this is going to sound really conspiratorial, though, because you look at some of the networks. So you remember um, MSNBC fired Tiffany Cross after she had been in a verbal thing with Tucker, right? It's interesting that within an hour, perhaps almost within the very same hour, Tucker gets fired, and so does Don Lemon. You know, it kind of looks like some of these big wigs get together and say, you know, uh, I'll give you one, you give me one, and then it doesn't look as, it doesn't look as yeah. bad. You know, I don't know. It just. It, yeah, it just... and the, the Don Lemon thing, and, and I don't, I don't, I know there's deep backstory there that I'm not privy to. Um, a history of, you know, comments and beliefs that, that have riled people up. But apparently he got fired because he pushed back against that Republican candidate, that, yeah, that yeah. fringe candidate. Um and, you know, black Americans and slavery. And, and he was aggressively pushing back. And of all the things, if, I hope that's not true because there's probably a lot of good reasons to fire him. And that definitely wasn't one of them. So it's just a really all around weird situation. And 
I, I, I wouldn't be surprised, Mark, if they, they were thinking about doing it. They saw the Tucker Carlson news and they're like, pull the trigger, pull the trigger. Like, because it we got covered. It. Everybody by surprise. Yeah, we got covered. Everybody so I don't know if they all together and like, and, and, you know, and, and conspired, but I could definitely see a situation where like Tucker Carlson's going to suck up all the, all the energy. So let's do it now. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's make the move. Let's pull the trigger. Yeah. That, that's very, very interesting uh, uh, developments Tuesday. And then Wednesday, of course, uh, uh, we know also Tuesday. Uh, no, yeah, yeah. Was it Tuesday? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was Tuesday. <laughs> this week, Monday. I'm telling you. Yeah, I'm <laughs> and Tucker Carlson, was it Monday or Tuesday? I think it might have been Monday, actually. I think it was. I think Tucker was Monday. Yeah, yeah Tucker was Monday. Yeah. Tucker was Monday. Biden announced his re-election. No, that was not a surprise. We knew he was going to run. But it's here. Well, uh, Mark, I, I mean, it wasn't a surprise to me, and we talked about it before, because there was a whole group of people who, you know, who were pushing for him to run again. And we talked about it, not not at length, but we talked about it several times because I, I always said, do not ask for another candidate that's not Joe Biden because there's no bigger advantage in a presidential campaign than the advantage of incumbency right. of any campaign, but particularly so. And I think in the last 100 years, what, three presidents have lost re-election in the last 120 years, Donald Trump being one of them. Uh, so it is incredibly, incredibly rare. And so you don't want to give up that advantage, not when the stakes are as high as they are, and say what you want, you know, Mark, you know, I was not a Joe Biden fan. I've said some pretty harsh things about Joe Biden in the past. He's been a perfectly good president. He's done far more, given the fact that he didn't even have a real Senate majority. The stuff that he got through, the stuff he's done through executive orders, actually really good. He's been a good president. So I don't understand why anybody would want anybody else. And in fact, a lot of the, a lot of the, complaints that i'm seeing on on my side of the of the sort of the the you know twitter and and progressive politics a lot of it seems like really outdated crying about the establishment stuff that was a lot more salient 10 years ago this is not the democratic party of 10 years ago much less 20 years ago and mark we've talked about this like we've been doing this for so long remember we we were doing this when when democrats were horrified at the idea of civil unions being a political issue. They were afraid. And God forbid you talk about abortion, right? right? We want right. it to be, yeah, we want it to be legal, but we need it to be safe and rare. We need it fair. <laughs> like we, bad. we should scold the need for abortion, but it should be safe. Right. And uh, I remember Social Security. It wasn't a question of like protecting Social Security. It was like, well, we need to cut it, but we just won't cut it as deeply as the Republicans. Right. I mean, it's been, it's been a whole different party. Now, in fact, I saw somebody complain to me uh, on a Daily Coast comment about about the um, that the Democratic Party does not reflect the base, and even that, obviously, you look at the Senate; it's very white, right, and it's very old, of course. Uh, but the House leadership, it's it's you know, it's all black and brown and female. The uh, Vice President Kamala Harris is a black woman. I mean, this is not the same Democratic Party. It is moving in the right direction, and so right. this idea that we're going to jeopardize re-election with probably going to be Donald Trump. You know, the more indictments he racks up, the more popular he becomes on the right. So we're probably going to be facing him again. Why would we endanger re-election with an unknown when we have a guy that already won? He already beat Donald Trump once. He has that advantage of incumbency. We want a midterm election with him in the White House. So it shows you that we don't, the, the individual popularity of Joe Biden is 
utterly irrelevant because people don't vote on candidates anymore. They vote on parties. And uh, we are the best chance we have to win re-election and to hold our ground, to pick up the House and to hold our ground in the Senate is for Joe Biden to be our nominee. So I'm glad he's running again. I'm glad Bernie Sanders endorsed him immediately. That, right. that squelches how many months of speculation and and the parties, you know, lining up behind him early. The Democrat, quote, Democrats that are, quote, running against him in a primary are all joke candidates and not worthy of any real, you know, attention. So I think we're going to be in really, really good shape at a time when the Republican Party itself is in a civil war and they are absolutely at each other's throats. So it is actually a good place to be a Democrat right now. Uh, I'm happy about about Biden running. I'm actually, Mark, I'm even happy about his announcement. You know, the first word he 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 talked about, first word he used was freedom. This was a Republican frame, if you remember, right? It was the anti-state Democrats. They had given that up. They, you know, they're the party of book burnings and getting into women's uterus and to try to ban, you know, marriage equality and to tell people what to wear, how to look, what to say, even what business can say. I mean, they have completely given up on this brand of freedom and they doubled down on what has been an incredibly popular cultural war effort to control uh, society based on their narrow Christian interpretation. And uh, and so it's given this opportunity for Democrats to just walk in to the space and say, you know, I actually were the party of freedom. And they are. Democrats are the party of freedom. Uh, Joe Biden is leaning deeply into that. And it also speaks to democracy as well, freedom to make our own political choices and to determine our own future. And obviously, Republicans are doing everything they can to undermine democracy. So I had um, Jamie Harrison, the chair of the party, on yesterday. And, you know, I I didn't softball him. And I'm with you on Biden on all of that. But I said, so, Jamie, what, do you, what is your response to people who raise the age question? And he had some, said something I had not thought about, but, but actually made a lot of sense. He said, Mark, people need to look at who he surrounded himself with. This is the most diverse government in terms of individuals that have come in of any president in history, including Obama. Not even close. Yeah. yeah, I don't think it's even close. And so he was saying, so, okay, age, age is there. But he said he thinks that the thing people have to be directed toward, look at the people who are around him running the show, handling the day-to-day -day and being successful, and look at the diversity. And when he said that, you know, I, I hadn't thought about that. Because, you know, you know, you and I are young men, but if we're president and we appoint stupid people and crazy people, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. I mean, the president yeah. literally. I mean, unless you're yeah. Jimmy Carter, that was Jimmy Carter's downfall. Unless you're Jimmy Carter and you're literally hands on in every detail, Jimmy was just nice and just wanted to be in it. And you know, so um, God bless him. Um, and who, by the way, is still outliving all of us. Um, the, so he must be knowing we need to be taking notes from him, frankly. Uh, so he won. He won all nice, that. Being nice is good for longevity. Yeah, that's right. I mean, he, he's doing. He did something right. I don't know about the rest of us. Um, I mean, most of us go into hospice and it's it ain't long after that. He's in hospice and still going the um, but he brought that point up. These are the people that he surrounded himself with. And, and that also matters. So, you know, I, I think that's a, that's a good tech to take to those. I don't think I don't think the age thing is going to be a prolonged type of thing. I mean, it's going to come I mean, up here and there. Uh, but I but I think that yeah. that makes sense.
you know, Donald Trump's not that much younger. So we're, let, let's not argue that no. the, the Republicans no. are putting up some bastion of youth and vigor. No. And uh, so it, it, I mean, I've, I've made my position on, on his age clear before, and I wish that we had, uh, I wish that we had somebody younger be our nominee last time. And then I realized in hindsight that it probably might, Donald Trump might've won re-election, that there is something comforting about Asian wisdom for a lot of people. Right. And let's also not forget that the most reliable, consistent voter is age. The older the voter, the more likely they are to vote, right? So again, we had younger candidates, but they they did not they did not engender that same kind of I don't know, that feeling of like this was not an election we could take lightly. We could not take chances. And Joe Biden had age and wisdom, and that was seen as a positive. And I disagreed at the time, and I actually will tell you right now, I was wrong. I actually, that's what America needed in those times to deal with somebody like Donald Trump. They did not, people did not want more chaos. They wanted somebody who was boring, boring old white guy. Yeah. And, and they got, yeah. what I will say also is that he hasn't been that boring of a president. Like, it's, he surprised me, right? And, and I will keep going back to that uh, State of the Union address. Yeah this year where he went toe to toe with the Republican heckler trolls and he bested them. Like right. he made them look like fools. So he's got the sharpness. He's got his wit. None of that has gone away. And so as long as he's present and he has the mental faculties, he's, he's, you know, he, he's going to be fine. Uh, if that starts to become an issue and he's at an age where that's legitimately, you know, of no fault of his own, that can become of an issue. Uh, that's why we have the uh, successor. That's right. why we have right. a, a line of succession, and that's why we have a vice president, Kamala Harris. So I don't, I don't. Uh, that's a worst case scenario. I hope you don't have to deal with that. But it's, it's not. You know, it doesn't. It's not the end of the republic if he's too old to do his duties. I mean, this their right. constitution clearly spells out how to handle that situation. And speaking of Kamala, I like the announcement video because she's in it prominently. Um, and, you know, I've had my concerns about her visibility or lack thereof and, and the White House kind of trying to tamp that down. But she's in the video and then she's coming right out of the box talking about the, the issues you and I know are going to continue to mobilize people. Abortion, first and foremost, having been in Tennessee, frankly. And I was sharing this with, with Jamie yesterday. I tell you, Marcos, um, I mean, we had Sandy Hook. We thought someone was going to have nothing big. But being in Tennessee, the reaction of people on the ground there, as well as the reaction around the country, that three people were actually punished. They, they weren't up there trying to do anything, but they weren't even standing up for voting rights. They were vote. They were standing up for against gun violence. Mm -hmm. And and when people saw them become punished just for doing that. I, I think this this gun issue is going to be bigger than we think in 2024. And I think it's going to be the same demographic, the, the road, the, the road demographic overlaps and intersects with the, the gun demographic, the gun, those who are against gun violence. And again, it's that group, suburban college educated white women. I, I and, think. Yeah. I, I mean, I think. Men. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that I think this is going to be. You know, not that legislation is going to come, but I think people are going to look at this and say, you know, we can no longer just keep electing people up and down the ballot 
who are ambivalent when it comes to gun violence. Um, no, I yeah, absolutely agree. I mean, you you can feel it, right? There's there's yeah. an energy there, and it goes deeper than you know despair at the latest gun massacre. There, there's a swelling anger and resolve, which is that that's the difference. That resolve, it's like we're going to do something about it. Young people, absolutely, and and. What I hope that people understand is that a long, it's a long-term battle. Like this is, I think we talked about this last week, right? This is, this is like the, the anti-abortion crew spending 50 years to, to overturn Roe v. Wade. And we need to, hopefully it's not going to take 50 years, right? But we got to think this is a long-term project. It's going to take maybe decades, but it's absolutely doable. And it's where public opinion is definitely, it's definitely moving in that direction um, for sure. I also like that, I mean, first of all, if you're a vice president, you just don't have visibility. It just it's the it's the office, like, and this is where people when, the big argument of who should be vice president. You know, I kept arguing like, it's a fun argument to have, sure, but like, don't expect the vice president to actually have any power because they don't. Literally, the office has zero power. Uh, constitutionally, their only jobs to sit around and just in case the president gets knocked off or dies. And uh, uh, unless you did, <laughs> unless you did change. That's <laughs> right. Well, you can make your own power. You, you can make yourself the, 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 the puppet only, master. The only person to nickname himself Darth Vader. <laughs> yes, yes, of course. He didn't wait for us to nickname him Darth Vader. He said, I'm Darth Vader. So, okay, you got it, man. It's your, it's your there, there was a very <laughs> loud contingent of, of liberals who were arguing that Biden should replace Kamala Harris. And I, I couldn't tell you why, because I just couldn't begin to waste my time reading that kind of stupid argument. But there was a very, very loud contingent that were demanding that she be replaced. So by making her so prominent in his announcement video is also a signal to the party that she wasn't going anywhere. So, again, this is absolutely critical to have a unified party early on. He basically shut down all these avenues like, nope, Bernie Sanders immediately endorsed him. Nope, I'm keeping Kamala Harris. Everybody's coming together. Uh, nobody of any note. The only people that are challenging Biden are our literal conspiracy theorist cranks, uh, Marianne Williamson and Robert F, you know, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And uh, and so we are in a good unified place. And it sort of kind of speaks to the way that Nancy Pelosi handled the the, you know, the handoff to Hakeem Jeffries and, and that new generation of leadership in the House. Right. It, we're seeing a very disciplined organized Democratic Party, which is kind of hilarious, Mark, because, you know, we, we last several decades, every story was about Democrats in disarray. And now it's our party that is doing everything methodical and intentional with purpose. And it's the Republicans who are just a cluster. Of, they don't know what they're doing. They're all fighting each other. And uh, and they're an absolute mess. So it's a it's a good place. It's not as frustrating. I don't know why people would get upset about, you know, doing buying Harris again, you know, it's I, I like winning. That was fun. And we've been doing some winning since since they won. So let's keep doing some winning. But because of these two issues we just talked about that are obviously going to be primary, no pun intended, the issue of guns, the issue of abortion. What better time than to have a, a woman vice president to speak directly to that, to those issues? Yeah. Yep. I mean, exactly. we don't need another white, another white vice, white dude vice president. We don't you know, mm -hmm. this is the moment. And, and I think she can carry that better than anyone. So I think it matters. And, and obviously, um, if, if, if he wins, no reason why he wouldn't. And she's on the ticket. She's vice president for four more years. In 2028, there's got to be that runway. Um, okay. and, and so you know, I, I think that's important. What, what are your thoughts, though, 
about his approval rating? And does that even matter? Yeah, it, it doesn't matter. So his approval rating right now, I think the aggregate is around 42, 43% approval. Um, he was at 41% last year and the Democrats won the election. There is a clear bifurcation between the candidate and the party where now people are voting for, for the party. And I think this is a good thing uh, because historically, not historically, but it, definitely in the last few decades, Republicans were very good about voting no matter who the candidate was, right? They had that, you know, it's about the Supreme Court. It was about abortion, uh, Roe v. Wade. And they, I mean, remember the evangelicals rallied around Donald Trump, even though Donald Trump was everything that evangelicals claimed to hate, right? I mean, a womanizing moral cesspool, doesn't go to church, doesn't know how to talk Bible, probably never opened up the Bible in his life. Uh, and you're going to, you know, rally around this guy. And they came up with all sorts of contorted rationalizations for doing so, but they did it. They came together because they, while our side is like, oh, Hillary Clinton, we don't like her. She's so corrupt. Oh, Bill Clinton, he, he, Monica Lewinsky. Like they had all these lame excuses why they did not like Hillary Clinton. And so we, should have won that election, Mark, but we didn't because our side wanted, no, no, they, they think that politics is about feeling good as, as opposed to about like winning and getting policy done, right? So uh, you had the, the Bernie people, oh, it's not Bernie, so therefore everybody else is corrupt and we're not going to vote. And so you had that. Republicans historically did not have that. Right now, the situation seems absolutely reversed, actually, because you have the Republicans are shedding support because of Donald Trump. You had the never Trumpers. A lot of them, you know, the Bill Crystals, right? Like, you know, he's like hardcore conservatives who suddenly are either independent or Democrats. I don't even want them, but they are so they are they are losing people because they are so they've gone off the rails. And uh, <clears throat> and uh, on the other hand, we had Joe Biden, who, you know, his his support in the primaries, you know, he was getting 30 some percent, right? 30, 40 percent in primaries. It wasn't. He wasn't getting great level of support. The field was fragmented, of course, but he wasn't particularly beloved. And, you know, you could say like, uh oh, you know, 60 percent of Democrats voted for somebody that wasn't Joe Biden. I don't know the exact number, but it's, you know, it's probably in that ballpark. But who cares? Because when it came time to vote on Election Day, we had absolute record turnout. And Joe Biden got, what, eight million more votes than Hillary Clinton did four years prior. I mean, it was it was dramatic. And so and it happened again last year where people are. Democrats may not have been happy with Joe Biden for, you know, he he dragged his feet on student debt relief. I mean, there's a lot of things that that could have happened sooner. He got to him eventually, but there was there was some discontent um, at some point. But it didn't matter. People turned out and voted, and this is this is absolutely critical. And I actually suspect that we're going to see the exact opposite with the Republican Party, where you're going to have a lot of more never Trumpers saying that they can't vote for a guy that has four indictments because by the time election day comes around, he's probably going to have like four of them. Right. They're not going to be able to vote for that guy. And we're going to, you know, our crew's going to vote for Joe Biden, no matter how much you may complain about it right now. They're going to vote for Joe Biden because they understand what the stakes are. And so we are in a better place when we stop trying to make this about voting for somebody who makes us feel good and actually voting for the party that's going to protect our rights. Because at this point, it's literally a battle for the existence of our democracy. And until the Republican Party refines itself, uh, into something approaching sanity and reality. I mean, it's every election's existential. And of course, we've got the news that Fonnie Willis's uh, charges may come this summer. 
So this will even be even before the fact. Um, and you're right, he's pretty much eliminated. I think DeSantis is is probably done. Um, I mean, you never know in politics, but his rollout has been hilariously yeah. bad, yeah. like hilariously bad. And he's creepy and weird. And people yes, aren't yes. into weird. And Donald Trump is really taking advantage of that, you know, using his fingers to eat pudding. Like he put that in a, in a political ad. Uh, I don't know if you saw Mark, on Monday, it got buried under the Tucker Carlson news, but he was asked the question in Japan. He's, he's doing this international trip to look presidential or some BS. He was asked um, about his poll numbers. And if you read the quote in, in a newspaper, it looks totally innocuous. He says, well, I'm not a candidate yet, but, you know, we'll see if I ever become one. The, the words were fine. But if you see the video, did you see the video, Mark? No, I didn't see it. I didn't see the video. So take a, like, you know, bobblehead. You know, like you get the baseball game, bobblehead. And shake it vigorously. That's what he looked like. Wow. He had this goofy grin on his face. His head's just bobbling back and forth as he, as he said this. And it just looked weird. And so it's clear that the more people see him, like, I think he looked good to conservatives on paper because he's, you know, he's adequately cruel on paper. Right. But once they see him, he's short. He wears high heels to try to look better. Uh, he's got a thin voice, you know, and then he did that weird bobblehead thing. Like everything about him is just off and people yeah. don't vote for weird and creepy. Um, and then you have the fact that every time his people punch, every time he punches at Donald Trump, Trump punches back harder and he backs off like he, he's afraid. Um, so I think the best case scenario is what I'm hoping is that Chris Christie jo joins the race. Somebody like Chris Christie, who is a bully and will take punches and isn't in it really to to win Chris Christie's not going to win a nomination but it's in there to basically take down Donald Trump because the Republicans there's a there's a part of the Republican Party that realizes that they're they're stuck in the water as long as Donald Trump is around and uh, Mitch McConnell's probably still kicking himself that he missed the opportunity to impeach him which would have knocked him out of electoral politics and so to get there to revitalize their party to rebuild they're going to have to get rid of Donald Trump and that means they're going to have to lose and they've done this before. It happened after Barry Goldwater. Like, it's doable. Mm -hmm. A mm -hmm. bad election loss does not mean you're dead as an, as an American party. Um, and they're going to have to do that because they're, I mean, they've just done nothing but lose since Donald Trump showed up. Yeah, he won that first election. And after that, it's been lost, lost, lost. In fact, folks, the, I just saw the, the clip of DeSantis with the bobblehead. The headlines in Daily Coast. Daily Coast has the best headlines, too. Uh, he's in Japan, you know, so the headline is Sayonara Ron. Uh, so go to the coast and look for, just look for Sayonara Iran, Sayonara Iran, and, and you'll, uh, you'll see it there for yourself. Lastly, you've, you, before you describe the Senate map as not being too favorable in 2024, you still feel that way? Or is there any momentum from these issues that can change? Oh, uh, no, the map is brutal. I mean, the map is all in, in red states and, um, I, our two best pickup opportunities are Texas and Florida. And that tells you all you need to know. <laughs> so, uh, Rick Scott and uh, Ted Cruz are the best pickup opportunities. And I'm not going to say they're good pickup opportunities. I'm saying the, the best of really bad, bad lots. So, mm. And we have to defend John Tester in Montana. We have to defend um, um, what's his face in West Virginia. Um, oh, what's yeah, his face? <laughs> <laughs> yeah what's his face uh, is good enough we all know who you're talking about my man um why now i can't think of his name either and, um, we, and we know him and can't stand him um yeah 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 wow marcos hey, melissa's be... and mark thompson cannot call the name 
West Virginia Senator. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. This we is a moment to... unto itself. Why don't we know his name? We also have to defend Sherry Brown in Ohio. These are all tough, tough states. And uh, and so it's go like we'll be lucky to hold our ground. Uh, Joe Manchin. Okay. That's it. <laughs> Joe Manchin. Yeah. Goodness. I don't, know why that, I don't know why that was happening. So and and most. So, you never, you know, Mark, you never know. Like, you know, we've had some they may nominate some absolute nut job like they did um, down in Alabama. And we won that seat for a couple of years. Like, you know, things happen. So you never quite know. But um, we'd be lucky to hold it out. We're going to take back the house. I'll say this right now. I think we're favored to win back the house. And uh, not only is the map looking good for us, but it very likely that both Wisconsin and New York will redistrict before the next election, which will net us potentially up to eight new seats, the way the maps are are, are drawn. Good. So it's uh, we're going to be in a in a much much better place in the house. But you know the Senate, the Senate is tough because it's all you know the Dakotas and Nebraska and Wyoming and Montana. It's those states that are up. So we got to survive it. Things look better in two years, but right now it's it's going to be tough. But I'm not, you know, maybe six months ago I would have said, you know, we're looking, we may lose it. Like today, I'm I'm thinking we hold it. Okay, good. That's good. That's good. DailyCoach.com. The podcast is the brief civics with a Q.com. Marcos Melitzas. Thank you, buddy. Thank you so much. Talk to you next week. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. As always, perform an act of kindness on behalf of an elder or young person. Write a letter to a sister or brother who just so happens to find her or himself incarcerated. Offer libations to the ancestors upon whose sturdy shoulders we all now stand. And above all, give thanks to the God of your understanding by whatever name you call her and him. All God asks of us is that we give each other love. Thanks for giving MIP love. And please remember to subscribe and give us a five-star rating. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain.